Now, perhaps you can turn with me in your Bibles, if you have one, your device, if you have one, to the book of Ecclesiastes, this Old Testament wisdom book. We're going to be in this book for the next couple of months, there or thereabouts. This book, which was written either by King Solomon or at the very least by someone who's taken lessons from the life of King Solomon, uh, looking to give us wisdom. Uh, J.I. Packard in his book, Knowing God, is really uh, a big helpful picture on, on how wisdom works in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, it's like the wisdom you get when you're uh, learning to drive. And some of us, that's very fresh in our memories. When you're learning to drive, you don't find the driving instructor giving you information on uh, here's why there's a crossroads here. Uh, here's why they decided to put that awkward corner in the roads. Uh, rather, uh, a driving instructor is looking to give you wisdom to navigate well uh, the various twists and turns and corners, uh, the various obstacles or hazards that might come uh, along the way. Wisdom for how to live well when sometimes life is complicated confusing, and its surprises take us aback. That's the wisdom that we'll find in Ecclesiastes, uh, helping us to know how do we live well under the sun, uh, in this life, uh, in the light of eternity. So let's read together uh, the introduction which we find in the first 11 verses. And here we're going to find our teacher here uh, beginning to burst some of our bubbles, a pattern that we'll see repeat. So again, let's hear the word of God. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Vanity, vanity, says the teacher. Utter vanity. Everything. Is vanity. What do people gain from all their labours of which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than, <clears throat> more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear is filled with hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already, long ago. I was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Amen. And let's begin here, uh, remembering times when we have played or we've seen children play make-believe. Uh, perhaps uh, you can think about children playing with Lego, or with dolls, uh, perhaps dressing up and creating a, a make-believe world. A world in which they're in total control. 
in which they can control carefully everything that is going on. Some of us would probably love that as children. It's a fun activity. But it's not real life, is it? Because we all know that, that real life it is far more complicated than that. It's far more messy than that. And we live in a world where one phone call can change our lives forever. And there's a danger if we don't recognize that and we, we try and live in a fantasy land. And what happens is we sort of carefully construct our world and it's like creating sand castles off the beach because we know that one day the waves will come that those carefully made plans may well come crashing down at a moment when we do not expect it. And that's where the book of Ecclesiastes and the teacher here come to us as a surprising gift. Because they, he prepares us for that. And that's the sense in which he's, he's bursting those bubbles. He's providing a reality check for us. To help us here in so many ways you and I, we are not in control. We are not self-sufficient. Life does not come with guaranteed certainties. This book very much reminds me of uh, the, the Muriel Spark book, Memento Mori, which some of you may have read. There is uh, a theme, a recurring theme within that plot where uh, a slice of different elderly folks get an unsettling telephone call. They pick up the phone and all they hear is a voice saying, remember, you will die. And then the phone goes silent. Our teacher here is pushing us and probing us and helping us to examine some of the big questions of life so that we would remember that we will die to live in light of our death and the reality of eternity. If we allow him, this teacher will, will question and, and will speak and will help each one of us uh, to reflect. Perhaps to uh, get a new balance or perspective. And perhaps we have that tendency to imagine that life was only lived on the horizontal and, and we lose sight of the reality of God. Where we're only focused on, on the stuff of life, whether that's uh, success or whether that's uh, material possessions. And we lose sight of the reality of the spiritual and the eternal. If we find ourselves pursuing all of our gain, placing all our hopes in what does not last, then this teacher comes and speaks a word that we need to hear. Ancient wisdom, but hugely relevant for us. Confronted as we are by a world of marketing and consumerism that's always pushing us to go bigger and to go better, whether that's our car or our house or our career, or to create a new identity for ourselves. But also in this particular time where when we lived, well, almost lived through global pandemic. Maybe it's been the one time in our lives where we've all remembered that we're not in control. That those carefully honed plans are not a certain and a given. When our usual patterns have been turned upside down and where we've been able, in a sense, to hit the pause button. Here's a chance for us to, to reflect, perhaps to do things 
differently. This teacher and his message is a gift to us. It's maybe not a gift that we necessarily want, but he's going to ask our questions and he's going to invite us to reflect with him and to face reality with him. It's a voice we need in our day, in our culture, in our life. We all know that the one thing that's certain for us is, is our death. But we also know that's the great taboo in our culture here in the West. We don't talk about it. We fight against it as if we have the power uh, to, to beat death. When we are reminded of our mortality, how do we face that? Sometimes our response is to, to turn up uh, the volume. It's really easy for us to try and amuse ourselves, distract ourselves, to, to hide it away, to squeeze it into a corner. Some different wisdom. The wisdom of an Iraq war veteran. Having been an active service and coming back home. He said, after you've seen what the world is really like, it's hard to be patient with a shopping centre. That's what so many of us, we find ourselves doing, we're trying to amuse ourselves, even as we know death is coming. Or uh, we keep on the treadmill, we keep on going, we ignore the warnings, we act like life is just going to grind on forever. And again, what, what the teacher of Ecclesiastes wants to do is he wants us to recognise the folly of those ways so we would learn to trust God, to enjoy Him, to enjoy His gifts for now and for eternity. So the introduction really helps, I think, to set the tone for uh, where the book heads. It's going to say to us, life is short, life is elusive, life is repetitive, so seek gain from God. Not in life under the sun. Remember, first of all, life is short. Somebody said Ecclesiastes was on Monday morning book. You can understand why, when the motto is vanity, vanity, utter vanity. It sounds bleak. It sounds like the, the words of a cynic. How is this? The wisdom of God for us. Well, let's think about this word vanity and the picture that goes with it. This word is used of an early morning mist. Like the kind of something seen on the meadows. Or perhaps as it, as it turns chilly again, uh, we walk outside in the morning and we breathe out that cold air and we can see our breath for a few seconds. So if you happen to have uh, a grandpa who was very adept at blowing smoke rings from uh, a cigar, that's the image. Okay? And what's the point of the image? It's to say that relative to the life of, of the world and how long the world endures and relative to eternity you and I are here today and gone tomorrow. Our lives are fleeting, brief, even with all 
more than plentiful advances that we enjoy, life is fleeting and brief. One of the questions that uh, the teacher is going to consider is what's included in that everything? Everything is vanity. And we'll see as we go along, there are some things that are excluded from that list. Knowing God, that's not vanity. Enjoying God and his gifts in the life that he has given us, that's not vanity. But this is his promise. Vanity, vanity. All is vanity. Like the short, verse 4, generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. Verse 11, no one remembers the former generation. What's he saying? Those things that are so important to us, our tragedies and our triumphs, our talents, they will be forgotten. And the proof of that, if we need it, is to think on our own family tree. Perhaps we are fortunate to know our grandparents. Maybe some of us can go back to our great-grandparents. But how much do we know of them? How much is remembered of those previous generations who lived perhaps really full lives, full of their own tragedies and trials. Verse 4, generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. Our lives are like that mist. We, we touch the earth, but we make no lasting impression in the grand scheme of things. The earth will outlast us. you and I do in light of that reality. And the wisdom of the teacher, we're going we're to see this again and again, is he's going to call us to learn to live backwards, to live with the, the end in sight, to remember our final destiny, that we will die and there is an eternity that we are heading to, so that we would let that shape how we live today, that that would actually simplify how we live today. So much of the stuff that we get so worked up about has no lasting consequence. And, and Ecclesiastes helps us to recognize that. Think about this church that we are in. It's a remarkable building. But its builders, its first minister, that first generation of worshippers, they are gone. And we know very little, if anything, about them. The stones are here, the wood is here, the plaque is there. Life is short. And the teacher wants us to understand there is no gain in a life that's lived only under the sun, only thinking about time and not eternity. Rather, he pushes us to pursue significance and meaning in life above the sun. The one who rules over the sun. So remember, life is short. He also tells us in this introduction, remember, life is elusive. Now, what do we mean by that? Look at verse 2 into verse 3. Having said everything is vanity, he says, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? So again, back to the, the idea of a light being like a mist, being like a breath. 
Um, have we ever tried to, to hold it or, or to control it, to catch it? And we've seen uh, our kids do that on a frosty day, try and catch their bread. Um, actually, there is a, a baggage company, a baggage handling company called My Baggage, uh, who, to get a little bit of media attention, uh, came up with this perfect gift for homesick Brits abroad. Uh, so for £25 a pop, you can buy some bottled air. Scotland, from Snowdonia, from, from the London underground, from a fish and chip shop. Uh, so when you feel really far from home, uh, you can take the lid off and you can smell uh, the wonders of home. It's, it's so nice. Uh, so they must have been on to something. But when we think about that, you know, it's bonkers, isn't it? You, 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 you spend 25 pounds, you turn the lid, you get a second, then it's gone. And the teachers say that's what happens if we try and control and manage life and think we can somehow gain a profit and hold on to it? Life is elusive. So much of our human quest is, is we're trying to find this game, we're trying to find this profit under the sun. But what does the teacher remind us? Our life is marked by labour and toil. And that toil there, that's a Genesis 3 word, that's a when sin came into the world and everything began to go wrong words, reminding us of the, the futility and the frustration that's attached to work. And we know it in so many ways. We know it in the bumps in the road we never saw coming. We know it in the redundancy letter we received, the rejection letter, the phone call uh, with the bad news. What do people gain? Uh, Simon Bolivar, some of us will know him far more than I do. In 18th century, South American leader uh, gained independence for what's now the nation of Venezuela. A man much heralded in South America for his great achievements. Uh, his last words, last recorded words, how will I ever get out of this labyrinth? How will I ever escape from me? Here's a man who's got city squares named after him, statues in his honour, a mountain in the Andes bears his name, but he is gone and he left this earth frustrated. The teacher wants us to think about living backwards so that we would recognise death comes, eternity is real, so that we would stop toiling on the treadmill, imagining that we can gain something from life, that we can hold on to it in the end. Rather, it tells us life is exhausting, without God, life is going nowhere without gain. And it's really important for us to be able to ask that question. I think one of the, the benefits that, that some people anyway have found from, from pandemic is the chance to stop and to think, where's my life going? After the five-year plan, what can I for? After I move into that new house, then what? Once I get that new career that I always wanted, then what? So important for us to think and to help others to think. Yeah, but, but what comes next? So that we would remember that that job that we are placing all our energy, it will come to an end. That money that we are gaining for ourselves, it will pass on to someone. That holiday that we are banking on to give us, it, it, it will come to an end. The people that are nearest and dearest to us, the two will go and so will we. 
life is elusive. And the teacher's voice comes to us saying, remember death. You cannot hold your grip on life and the stuff of life. Therefore, recognize where true gain is found. It's found in trusting God and enjoying his gifts as gifts. Not as God's. Not as the thing we live for. And then, as if that wasn't enough, he says to us, remember, life is repetitive. Uh, the teacher just keeps pressing and he keeps probing. Is there gain in life without God? Is there hope under the sun? And from verse 4 to verse 11, uh, he uh, moves us to this repeating circle of life. Vicious circle of life. So he gives us some examples from nature. Verse 5, the sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The sun runs its same course day after day, century, millennia after century, Verse 6, the wind blows to the south, turns to the north, round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. The wind, which we think is so wild and free, follows patterns. The sea, all streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full, no matter how big the river, the sea always demands the picture is of a life that's always moving but never arriving. And our teacher says in verse 8, all things are wearisome. That life of always working but never arriving is wearisome. And then he moves it to the realm of human experience. Verse 8, uh, a verse... Uh, for us living in the information age. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. There's always one more video to watch, one more swipe, swipe to make, one more Insta story to follow, one more playlist to get through, one more Netflix series to binge on, one more podcast to catch up on, and we're never satisfied, and it's never <coughs> enough. <coughs> Verse 9, what has been will be again, what has been done will be done again. Uh, you may know the story of Sisyphus. That's a tricky way to say Sisyphus. Uh, Greek mythology, this guy Sisyphus, who tried to cheat death, and, and the result uh, was that he was doomed to spend eternity pushing the same old rock up the same old hill. It's a Monday morning feeling, perhaps. Perhaps that's how we feel about housework. There's always more laundry to do. There's always more dishes waiting to be done. Perhaps that's how we feel at school and university. There's always one piece more of coursework, one more report to write. When we come to work, there's always one more meeting, one more spreadsheet to compile. We have that love-hate relationship with repetition. We love it in that sense that we get to a time like January, February, we begin longing for spring. Maybe we've all had that chat. Spring can't be too far away. Because we love, we love knowing winter doesn't last forever. Something coming in creates structure for us. But we 
hate the repetition in the sense when every day feels like Groundhog Day. We're in circumstances and we're in the daily grind and we love for something new and it never comes. Verse 10 perhaps surprises us. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. You know, we live in the, the age of technology and Going to be something new in our age and generation, but but the the, the teacher would have us recognise that everything that we say is new is actually variations on a theme. We think about new technology to, to do a transport, a big drive towards you know e cars, finding sort of different ways to fuel our cars. Well, I mean back in the day, people got excited when they put the steam engine. Communications, we, we had the digital revolution. Well, surely that's if you want. Back in the day, it was a revolution to have those Roman roads so you could travel easy. And the postal service that allowed you to communicate across the nation. When it comes to entertainment, well, surely we've got previous generations because we've got, we've got TV, we've got iPhones, we've got everything. But when we think about the past, the oldest known cave art is over 64,000 years old. People have been entertaining themselves forever too. In every generation, babies have been born and battles have been fought, laughter and tears have been shared, monuments have been built, and the author wants us to know it, to know that there's nothing new under the sun. There is repetition, and the ultimate repetition, verse 11. No one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Death and passing out of memory. That's the repetition that is ultimate. To read the introduction to the book of Ecclesiastes is to be invited into a conversation that we don't often have, I expect, if we're honest. To think about those big questions of life and death and mortality and, and what's the purpose of life. And perhaps you get to the end and you think, oh my goodness, how do I get off this merry-go-round? Doesn't it create for us a sense of longing? How can I find day? It seems so unrelentingly bleak. And what the book of Ecclesiastes does, he makes us wait till chapter 12 to get this sort of full-blown hope, but there are glimpses all the way along of where hope and gain is found. And, and so here, as we close, we're invited to see that life finds meaning above the sun. So that idea of under the sun is, is speaking to us as if we live as if we're only on the horizontal. And he wants us to lift our eyes. This word vanity uh, is in the book uh, over 30 times. It's a dominant theme, but so too is God. God is in this book more than vanity is in this book. This author, like all the wisdom authors, wants us to know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The only way to know gain in this life is to know our God. Some ways to think about it. Psalm 19, which we sang earlier. And in that psalm, 
the journey of the sun. Remember that repetitive journey of the sun. The sun says that's still speaking to us. And what's that speaking to us about? It's speaking to us about a God who is real, a God who is powerful, a God who controls, a God of glory. So there's a God who rules above the sun. So there's how to avoid being cynical and despairing is to know our God, to enjoy life as a gift from the one who gave it and who controls all things. And to go deeper still, that we can know gain and we can know meaning when we consider life in light of the coming of Jesus. And Craig Anderson, who we're going to be supporting as he Church Plants in Gal Shields was speaking at uh, a missions week for the Christian Union uh, at Hedy at Watt this week. Um, and he had a student who came to him after one of his talks and said, Why should I add a Western religion to all the religions of my country? And don't all paths lead up the same mountain to God? Now, maybe you've had that question. I wonder if you had it, how you would respond. Well, what Craig said is remember, in the Bible, God came down the mountain. Jesus has come. Jesus said in John chapter 8, I am from above, you are from below. So here's where hope and meaning comes from. We have God the Son who has come from above, who has entered into this world, has come to live this life under the sun to, to save us and to give us eternal life. Here is God's answer to that sin, to that toil, to that vanity, is the loving sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. He is the someone new. Everything else stays the same, but Jesus came. He is someone new. Do you know his promise? He has promised to make all things new. And Jesus, when he came, he asked the same question as the teacher. We, we read in Luke chapter 9, what profit is there? You gain the whole world, but lose your eternal soul. Jesus wants us to know he is the one who is the way. Trusting him is the only way to know gain in this life. And when we have Jesus, when we know him, we have this wonderful promise in the first Corinthians 15 from Paul. He can say, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. When we feel that we're toiling, it's a wonderful promise. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so just as this teacher comes to burst those bubbles of our self-reliance and our ability to control our world. So Jesus came as the teacher to pull us away from self-reliance, to pull us away from imagining that we can be our own king and lord and find gain. And he encourages us to look to him, to make him our solid hope. Let's pray together. Lord, our God, as we have considered a topic that naturally we would rather avoid in many ways, it is hard for us eh, to think about eh, death and eternity for ourselves and for those that we love. But Lord, when we know it's reality, and we ask that you to give us the wisdom eh, to consider it well, so that we would be ready, so that our hopes would be in the right place and in the right person, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he came from above the sun to live under the sun in order to 
uh, bring us into uh, life with you, our God, to give the promise of eternal life through faith in Jesus. May he be uh, our source of hope. May he be the one who gives direction to our lives, giving us that sense of security and expectation as we look ahead into eternity. And so please, uh, may you take these words and use them uh, to our feet. And we pray in Jesus' name. Now, we will close our time this morning singing the hymn in Christ alone. And we will stand together uh, so that we can sing.